Welcome to the Culture of Things podcast with Brendan Rogers. This is a podcast where we talk all things culture, leadership and teamwork across business and sport. If you would like a chance to win a $30 e-gift card of your choice, answer the question at the end of this episode. The e-gift card is with compliments from our friends at Jangler. Hello everybody, I'm Brendan Rogers, the host of the Culture of Things podcast and this is episode 43. Today I'm talking with Kate Purcell. Kate grew up a shy, introverted and perfectionist type kid, so public speaking wasn't her forte. She'd get so nervous feeling sick and shaking whenever she had to give a school speech and then the same happened in job interviews as she got older. When Kate joined the adult world, she was always an excellent worker and rose up the management ranks. The still shy, introverted perfectionist that she was hated every moment of it. Eventually, she heard an opinion that you don't have to rise the management ladder. You can just enjoy your job, and that gave her a new perspective. So no more being pushed into management. Her next challenge was to improve her overall confidence in talking to people. She joined a local Toastmasters club to improve her public speaking. Kate still shakes and she can't speak without her notes, but she doesn't feel quite as sick anymore. And then despite all of this, she decided to run for president. It was completely her decision, no one pushed her into it, so she says. She thought she was ready to take on this next step as the club has a great executive committee behind it. The perfectionist in Kate is loving it. Kate doesn't think she's doing anything special. She says she's just doing what feels right. And this is what I love about Kate. The focus of our conversation today is Kate's public speaking journey from before her first Toastmasters meeting to taking on the role as president. Kate, welcome to the Culture Things podcast. Thank you, Brendan. I'm very nervous to be here. (laughs) I was going to say, how are you feeling about this situation? Not quite sick to my stomach, but I am shaking. (laughs) Well, look, the great thing is you've had about 12 months experience at Toastmasters. So, you know, you're a lot better than what you would have been 12 months ago, right? Absolutely. There is no way I would have agreed to this 12 months ago, (laughs) for sure. I'm so happy you did agree to it because for me, I've had the privilege of watching your journey through Toastmasters. That's where we met and now to becoming the present. That's why I was so excited to bring this journey to life in an episode like this. So what I'd like you to do, first of all, is just what do you do outside of Toastmasters? Do anything outside of Toastmasters? Oh, not a lot. Just, you know, work full time. Surprisingly, probably to some people, I'm actually a team leader in health administration and I focus on auditing and training new staff. Now, I will preface when I'm training new staff, it is much more one-on-one, not stand in front of a classroom training because I couldn't do that. (laughs) No way could I stand in front like that. But one-on-one is okay when I know everything that I need to teach and I'm confident in what I do. We want to go back first of all to, let's set this scene a bit, Kate as a child or as a teenager, wherever you want to go in this, but public speaking is scary for lots of people. How did it impact you? What sort of feelings were brought up when you had to speak to people, speak in environments that were uncomfortable for you? Again, it was just always unenjoyable. I didn't always stop myself. I was school captain in primary school. So I did always try to work through it, but only if I ever wanted to. If there was an easy way out, I often said no. I guess being the shy introverted as well, that meant if there was an opportunity to I'm trying to think, we, I, we used to go to the rugby all the time, I still do, and you'll go and see an ex-player or a famous person and you're like, oh, I'll just wave from afar and, oh, yay, I, I met them, not really. I would never go up and say hi like everyone else does. I was the one who was more likely to 
as they say, sort of hide behind my parents' skirts, trousers, whatever, to just sort of stay behind. But I did try and there was a running joke and even now when I was telling my parents that I joined Toastmasters a little while ago, they're like, oh, well, you need shaking because that was always my thing. I, I thought for sure everyone knew I was shaking and I was about to collapse and all that kind of stuff. But I was was also constantly told, no, we didn't see it. It's not as obvious as you think it is. So I have recognised that I can put on a better show than I feel, but I still know the show is not at all perfect. <laughs> not at all. <laughs> For people that don't actually know, and I was talking to a chap today actually that didn't know what Toastmasters was. So do you want to just give people a bit of a perspective on what what is this thing, Toastmasters? Yeah, so I had a quick look up because I like to know what I'm talking about. Toastmasters itself was started in 1924 in America, but it's a worldwide organisation now. And the main premise is to help with public speaking and sort of that official meeting type roles and the like. So a fairly typical meeting, and they are called meetings, is you have a chairman, you have someone taking minutes, you have timers, all sorts of different roles for um, people to participate in that helps with running meetings effectively and gives you opportunities to speak in front of a group. And so there's sort of short speeches, which are generally sort of two to three minutes long, are prepared speeches. So uh, you've got a topic of some description that you'll go and write a speech of, practice, rehearse, and then recite in front of the group. Then there's also impromptu speeches, which can be sort of depending what's going on, maybe between one and two minutes, and it's just a random question. You've got no idea it's coming and you just have to stand up and speak and start waffling on for as long as you can. There's also chances for people to evaluate how you speak and so that you can obviously learn and grow. And there's also a um, more formal education side of it called Pathways. And so Toastmasters have put together a whole program to help teach you different skills of writing speeches, how to deliver speeches, how to prepare them, how to evaluate them and things like that. So the main aim is to be able to stand up and practice talking in front of people in what is hopefully a really supportive environment, which is what my club, Brisbane Water Breakfast Club, does. So I guess in understanding that, and I am in Toastmasters, so I guess I have some understanding, is that today's a bit of a prepared speech scenario. You know, we've had a, had a chat and we've prepared some of this for today, but also the impromptu speaking side of things. Does that sum it up all right? Yes, absolutely. And, and I will definitely evaluate myself afterwards. But I am challenging myself because at the moment I am no way the perfect speaker and whenever I do my speeches I still have my whole speech typed out and I'm not good at looking away from my speech. But today I've just got a couple of notes. It's not a speech. I'm trying to challenge myself in that department to, to keep working on this public speaking idea. Well done. And I think that's the thing that for me is really impressive that you're always pushing yourself. You're always trying to go that next step. You're not trying to run a marathon before you can walk, but you're just moving ahead in little steps. And and that's, that's fantastic. And I, I know all the feedback I get is try not to use your notes. And I, I, I know that, I recognize that, but I'm not there yet. And I will be, and I'll work on it. But I know my limitations and I know what I'm trying to improve on and, as you said, just step-by-step step in, in my time. Going back to, I guess, your younger years before Toastmasters, was there anything that 
I guess, this fear of speaking and presenting that it stopped you doing anything that you really wanted to do? I don't know that it stopped me majorly. It's probably more just those little things. Like if I had to do something, I always did it. You know, your school speeches, there was no getting out of them. So I would try and be first so I could just get it done. It's over because otherwise I'm sitting there tearing myself, you know, my stomach's in knots and all that kind of stuff and it just gets worse and worse. And thinking about this question, it was probably more just the, as I said, not enjoying things. There might be, even as a kid, I do remember something about um, go-karting one day and, you know, I'd be so nervous. I know it's not public speaking but just that shy introvert being in public, I don't want to make a fool of myself I think is probably the root of it all. And you're like, oh, I'm not sure, you know, I kind of want to do it but I'll probably look dumb. I don't know how to do it so maybe I won't. And so there would have been a whole heap of little things like that, not necessarily major but I probably just stopped myself from doing some of those exciting things that would have been fun, would have been fine. It would have, you know, go-karting, everyone crashes and doesn't know what they're doing. Who knows how to drive a car at eight years old? But I would either take a hell of a lot of convincing to do it or I'd just go, no, no, I I don't want to. You know, it's, it's cool. I don't want to. Well, desperately probably wanting to. So it was more those little things that you just didn't enjoy or knowing I had to do something, I'd then be sick all day and wouldn't enjoy my day. But that utter relief afterwards when I was finished was awesome. <laughs> Self-satisfying. Yes. <laughs> Once I calmed down, obviously. <laughs> Kate, let's go to, I guess, the trigger point for you. Like there's maybe lots of options you could have taken up, but in taking up a journey in Toastmasters, what was that trigger for you that said, you know what, this is something that I really need to do, want to do, have to do? I'd heard about Toastmasters in the past. My husband had done it through work for a few months from memory. So I knew of it. And then a little bit later, a friend went to to one. Um, To be fair, she only made it to the one and hasn't quite made it back yet. But I guess that meant it it was sitting in the back of the mind. I, I knew it was there. And then at some stage, I was just like, I'm just I'm just going to look into it a little bit more. And so I was looking at what clubs were on the Central Coast, when their availability were and stuff like that. And I, I did come across Brisbane Water Breakfast Toastmasters Club, mainly because they were a Saturday morning. So convenient. I didn't think I could do the after work nighttime stuff. All good. I think I left that tab open on my computer for months with that idea yeah, I'm coming back to it. It's there. I haven't said no, but I haven't said yes. And then I think there was just a couple of things in life that just sort of rocked my confidence a little bit. And I just sort of went, I need to work on my confidence in life, not just public speaking, but that was a big part of it. And so finally, I was talking to my husband a bit more about it and just remind me, what is this? Oh, the first time he spoke about it, I'm like, no, that's just too hard, too hard, too hard. But this time I'm a little bit more receptive. And I did actually ask him if he could come with me. And I'm like, you don't have to, but if you could, that would be awesome. He said yes, but the first time I decided to go, he couldn't go. And I kind of had to do it then. I I was still, if I don't go, it's going to sit there for months again and I'm just never going to go. So I'd already had the date in my mind, I'm going to go, but I told no one at Toastmasters, which I don't actually recommend. (laughs) It's much easier when people know you're coming. They can be ready for you and look out for you. But that way I could change my mind at any moment. And the meeting starting at 8.30, I was in the car park at 8 going, I can still turn around and go home. I can still go home. I'm messaging my husband going, oh, I'm here. Oh, Oh, and he's like, go, go, go on. But, yeah, it was a long decision. But once I decided... 
as I said, I just, I had to, otherwise I probably would have just turned around and not come back and then it, I wouldn't be where I am today now. I'm interested in exploring that had to. What was that had to for you? I guess just the fact that I'd put it off for so long. It was just sitting there, I'm like, oh, maybe, kind of, sort of, I want to, it sounds really hard and scary. Oh, it's easy to not do it. And I guess there was no real reason that I had to. It's not like I had some big presentation coming up and I know that's sometimes why people start or, you know, a speech at a wedding or something. There, there was no future idea that this had to be done. But I guess I'd made the decision myself, just within myself, that this can only be good for me. It'll be hard, but it'll be good. And things can't be any worse. You know, I already hate the public speaking and stuff like that. But surely if I practice, things will get a little bit easier. And it was just, yeah, if I didn't go that first day, I, I probably wouldn't have tried again. I, whether it be months or years or never, I would have closed the tab on my computer and gone, no, let's put that aside for, for longer and who knows when I would have tried again. It's, it's just that sort of, it was too easy to put off. So I sort of had to go once I'd decided. And it was probably for the best that my husband wasn't there because then it was all really me. He wasn't the one dragging me along or any, even though I was the one asking him, but it meant it was my decision. It was me doing it. It was all me. And I felt very proud of, of myself after that first meeting for sure. Yeah, well done. I, I have to say, I was so hoping that you were going to say, Brendan, I just couldn't wait to come on your podcast. So I just had to go to Toastmasters to prepare. <laughs> well, again, you know, if I hadn't have gone, we wouldn't be here and I wouldn't be having my first podcast. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. It's amazing these moments, these sh small decisions that we make and where they can lead us to, isn't it? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, I just feel it's, it's, it's all part of the challenge I'm trying to give myself these days. How important was it for you in that early stages of preparing to come to Toastmasters to have someone like Jeremy, your husband, as that support person? It's great. He's very supportive, as a great husband is. He's also very annoying because he's a much better speaker than I am and can speak on the fly much more easily than I can. So it's both a blessing and a curse that he still comes to meetings with me. But he cheers me on at every stage. But somewhat surprisingly, maybe, I never practice in front of him though because I, I, I sort of do the whole, I guess it's still a bit weird to practice speeches and stuff in front of people and, and get feedback but it's also just that sense of he's coming to the meetings too. I don't want him to have to hear a speech he's heard 50 times. I pretend I practice 50 times and get to the meeting and then sort of have glazed eyes as I'm trying to speak in front of people as well. But I was so glad that he agreed that first time because he's been through as I said he's been through Toastmasters he'd done a lot of the work already and while everyone no matter how well you speak can always improve he had no reason to go back to Toastmasters he didn't have to and as I said he, he can speak reasonably confidently in any situation but having his support and especially just those times where we're sitting next to each other and, you know, I'm shaking and clammy and all that sort of stuff before a speech and he's just like, you know, calm down, you're all right. And then afterwards I'm like, woohoo, and he's like, yeah, go you. <laughs> Let's go back. You spoke a little bit before around sitting in the car and, and that moment of should I, shouldn't I, that sort of stuff. It could have very easily gone shopping, mind you, because you were sitting at Erin Affair where we were used to meet back then. What were some of those emotions going through you at that time? Well, I felt 
very uh, who's it Cameron from Ferris Bueller's Ferris Bueller I'll go I'll go I'll go I'll go and I was sort of telling myself I'll go I'll go I'll go and then if anyone's been to Erin Affair we met, we used to meet just near the library and I walked around and there's these huge glass windows and so we're sitting in this meeting room and I felt like everyone in Erin Affair was looking at us because you can just look in and as you walk past you obviously can't hear anything but everyone can see everything. And I'm like, oh, what have I done? This is really not cool. And I do put out there for anyone joining Toastmasters, that first meeting you go to, you will generally have to speak, which I wasn't ready for. <laughs> I thought I'd ease into this, but I didn't quite. It, it, it wasn't terrible, but it, it wasn't quite as easy as I thought. Everyone was lovely when I walked in, surprised, obviously, as I said, I didn't tell anyone I was coming. But everyone was lovely and they sat me down next to someone who could explain what was going on as the meeting progressed and it did feel supportive straight away. But that first meeting, I remember I had to speak three times and I'm like, what is this? This is not cool. Granted, the three times where I think I had to introduce myself and they have like an introduction question and this particular time was, what's your favourite quote? I didn't think any words had ever been spoken in the history of the English language at that stage. I could not think of anything. But finally, my beloved Star Wars came back to me, so I remembered a Star Wars quote. Then uh, at the end, they asked me, uh, what did I think? And I'm like, oh, God, I've got to make something up to these strangers. Oh, yeah, it was great. Awesome. Thank you. As I'm dying just a little bit inside. And then somewhere in the middle, there was the impromptu speech. So the question, uh, random question, and they'd ask me, do you want to have a go? And I'm like, I'm too scared and polite to say no, sure. What, what are we talking about? I don't remember what that question was, but yeah, I had to do, I guess, technically three impromptu, very short, granted, very short speeches, but unexpected. And so it was hard, definitely hard. But when I left, it was awesome. And I felt so good. And I'm messaging Jeremy going, I did it. I've done it. And he's like, go you and stuff like that. So straight away, I recognized the benefit. It wasn't easy, but I was very proud of myself afterwards. I do apologize now. I had no idea we were so hard on you that you had to speak three times. <laughs> we don't normally do that to people, but <laughs> well done you. Definitely support what Jeremy says. What are those benefits that you've seen in yourself from day one? To now? One of the easiest ones, I guess, is physically, I am not sick to my stomach anymore. And like, I, I'm talking about that Saturday morning, you wake up and I'm like, do I eat breakfast or do I not eat breakfast? What's going to settle my stomach best? If I'm feeling not so well, I often have frogs or muesli bars, just something to nibble on. And I would always have them. And to be fair, I still have them in my Toastmasters bag just in case just something to try and settle or something my stomach. But I'm still really nervous. As I said today, I, I am nervous. I'm a bit shaky and clammy, but I'm not sick to my stomach. And even things at work with my training and auditing, I give updates to people and I give feedback to people, lots of feedback because there's just lots to learn. And even one-on-one -on -one feedback wasn't always easy to do. And it, and it still depends who the person is and what your relationship is. But everything's just that little bit easier. Or if I've got just a really small demonstration and I'm talking a minute to show a group of people, oh, just a reminder, we do something with this form or something new, I would still work myself up to do that. And Brendan, you're well aware, I can't hold paper very well. <laughs> I, I shake because I, I try to hide everything, but as soon as I hold paper, everyone I feel 
everyone knows what's going on. But yeah, I'd still have to work myself up to just do a, a really brief demonstration in front of people. But now it's just, it's all not so bad. It's not at all perfect. I'm not there yet. And we have some great speakers in our club who I aspire to be, although just quietly some of them say they still get really nervous as well and I don't understand how that happens. They're, they're awesome. But it's just all that little bit better and so just that overall confidence in life. I can feel myself getting more confident just little bit by little bit. Our interview will continue after this. An expression of gratitude or reciprocity, no matter how large or small, is an important part of a healthy culture and relationships. Our friends at Jangler have a great app that allows you to send a gift card with a personal video, voice message or funny gif. You can send right away or schedule to send on the perfect day and time. Set and forget. I like that. I have found it perfect for clients, employees, birthdays or any celebration where I can't be there in person. It's quick, easy to send, and you can spend instantly in-store or online when you receive a card. Check it out at jangler.com.au. You mentioned the work scenario and used an example there. Have you noticed any changes in how either your team sees you, how they engage with your communication, or just anybody in the work environment that as you've progressed on this journey and developed more of your speaking skills that you felt that people have taken you in a different way compared to before Toastmasters? I must admit I'm not completely sure because it seems that I've been able to hide things very well for a very long time. Again, as long as I'm not holding paper, I seem to look confident and sound confident. In the introduction, we were talking about how I sort of rose the management ladder and things like that. I'm always an excellent worker. I know that about myself in the perfectionist in me as well. I want to do good at what I do. And so because of that automatically, oh, you must want to be management or whatever the next step is. And so I did that just being the diligent worker and everyone thought I was good at managing and the like. But no one seems to see how much goes on in my head when it comes to managing people. So they're all saying, you're, you're cool, calm, collected, confident. And I'm like, oh, you do not know what's going on in my head to put this front on. So I guess I, I recognised in myself, while I am a team leader at the moment and I love it, but it's that behind the scenes stuff. It's the training, it's the auditing, it's not the let's sit and run the whole department or anything like that. But yeah, that people want me to go for the higher jobs, but I've learnt, it took me quite a while, but I've learnt to say no, I can say no, but the fact that people keep asking makes me think maybe I'm just getting more confident. I'm, I'm not sure, but that no one seems to really see how hard it is to be that in front person, manager, leader. So I must say, I'm not sure people have seen a change or at the very least, it may not be to my benefit because they might want me to keep going for higher positions. <laughs> With all this internalisation going on, what therefore have you seen in yourself and that change over this 12 months, like about how you're feeling or, or how you're approaching things? What's, what's become a little bit more comfortable for you? I guess it's the sort of just do it, just give it a go, 
just say yes to some uh, some degree depending on what you're saying yes to but it's that whole knowing I have to give a short demo or I have to speak to someone I'll try not to put it off if I don't have to obviously if it has to wait till later in the day that's fine but it's like oh okay it's that time just do it don't think about it as as such don't go oh 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 I don't want to I don't want to it is more that just do it. it it's not quite I'll go I'll go I'll go it's just do it that kind of stuff is just getting a little bit easier. I guess it's just that mindset of give it a go. Don't wait. Don't hold on to it. If I can try and get it out of the way straight away, let, let's do it instead of dwelling on it for ages and thinking about it for longer and then going, oh, maybe I'll just do it tomorrow, which is exactly what I could have done that first time at Toastmasters. Oh, no, I'll just wait till next time or, or not go at all. Now it's just, okay, let's just do it. It's fine. Let's do it. And off the back of that, like, what is it about this journey again that you're loving most? I guess it is just knowing in myself, I I do have more confidence. I am getting better. Every speech I do, every moment at work, there's just, every step is just that little bit better. And and therefore, it's sort of affecting the whole of life. And it's that I can't necessarily pinpoint big, huge, major milestones but it's just every little thing, it's just that little bit easier and everything's getting that little bit better. Sort of trying to not think of the the thoughts that I don't want to do this because I'm going to make a fool of myself. I'm like, well, I probably have made a fool of myself sometimes at Toastmasters now and that's okay. Or I'm not as bad as I think I am and that's okay. And people seem to think I'm doing okay. So that's good. So it's, it's all that just little bits of confidence is adding up every time I speak, particularly at Toastmasters, but just in life. Let's move on to this El Presidente role that you've taken on for Brisbane Water Breakfast Toastmasters Club. You talked about stewing before over things and whatever. How long did you stew over whether you'd put your hand in the ring for this El Presidente role? I did stew for a little bit. I did think about it. As you can imagine, in most community clubs, it can be hard work getting your sort of executive team together. People like to participate but don't always volunteer for higher roles. And I just had that vague, I'm doing okay, but this would be a huge challenge because I guess that's what I'm still, that's part of what I'm working on with the confidence is that, well, I'm just going to challenge myself more. I was just sort of thinking about it and I don't know, it might have only been a month or so. I'd sent an email out saying, what, what can, can we get some information on what all the roles involved just so I could try and work out what I was maybe getting myself into or maybe maybe and then I think it was only about a week before we had to decide I was sort of sitting there with Jeremy going I think I'm going to give it a go we had a still have a really great executive committee and so the president actually felt like a behind the scenes role it didn't really feel like a in front role some people may not believe that but that's what my thoughts were and unfortunately dare I say right before I was about to like the day before or something I was about to send an email going oh yeah I'll put put my hand up for it we got another email saying oh we really need someone to put my hand up and I'm like oh I don't I don't want to respond to that email this was my decision (laughs) you're not forcing me to do it but I still went ahead with it and unsurprisingly it was a unanimous vote (laughs) and then I went oh crap, what have I done? <laughs> but I guess ultimately it really just felt like this This felt like another challenge and I was and am trying to work on myself like that. So, all right, let's do it. 
if our club had been a shambles, there's no way I would have done it. <laughs> no way on earth. But we've got a good club. It's well-established, good members. And so I, I just felt I would have a lot of support giving it a go. And I've got to ask this as well because there's not just president role on the committee, there's a number of roles. So what was it that you could have chosen a number of roles to put your hand in to? Why take on the top job? Again, in my own twisted logic, I thought it would be an easier role. <laughs> and it has been okay. But like our roles are there's a vice president of education and they have to do up the agendas every week and stuff like that. And I thought, oh, that sounds like a lot of work. Vice President of Relations, I don't want to talk to people still, <laughs> so that's not the role for me. <laughs> Treasurer has to ask for money every week. Yeah, that's still a lot more talking than I really, really want to do. A sergeant at arms, well, I'd been forced into that one already. I took over from someone. I didn't know what that was and they're like, do you want to do it? I'm like, oh, okay. And then I'm like, oh, crap, all right. And then uh, secretary, and I must say, secretary was probably the other one I was thinking of. It didn't, didn't seem quite so front-facing. So I don't expect everyone to understand that logic, but to me it made sound sense. <laughs> and what are you enjoying about the role? Because just to touch on what you said earlier, and I think even in the intro, that you're not seeking out any leadership position. You've got a team leader role, so you are leading a team, but you felt you've been pushed into those things previously because you were good at your job. Unfortunately, that happens a lot in workplaces. So what was it that I guess changed in your own head that said, all right, now I'm feeling a bit more comfortable to take on some sort of leadership role in a volunteer organisation? I think it was just that I had ideas for improvement. Again, that sort of perfectionist, I want to be good at what I, what I do. I want to know what I'm doing. I'm much more comfortable having processes in place. Again, part of work is uh, training new staff. I'm the one who writes down everything so that anyone can follow them. And I love putting processes together. And when I first started Toastmasters, I just felt like there was a lot of almost assumed knowledge and I just didn't have any, everything quite broken down enough for me. And when you're new, you don't know what you don't know. So you don't know what questions to ask and you're already nervous about being there. So you just sort of follow along and hope to somehow glean what information you need and things like that. So my mission so far in my six months or so of president has been trying to consolidate all that information. There's a lot of information out there but trying to put it all so it's easily accessible and can easily direct people to, oh, here's what this role does. If you're doing this speech, this is what you need to do. There's a lot of acronyms that everyone just spouts off and I'm like, what are we talking about here? I don't know what this means. So coming in as the new person, I saw a lot of areas of improvement for at least those new people type things. And it, it never hurts for the more established people to sort of take a step back and be reminded of, of some things that we easily forget or have dropped off or something like that. So I, I guess it was my, my personal mission has been putting those sorts of things together, put, putting descriptions of roles together and here's the outlines of meetings, this is what you need to do. Again, acronyms, all, all those definition type stuff, almost like starter packs for new staff, uh, new Toastmasters, new members. So I guess I just felt I had something to contribute and if you dare say it as president, I can kind of almost say it's going to happen, <laughs> pretend I'm a dictatorship and go this is what we're going to do until Brendan 
gently guides me in another direction. I'm like, oh, okay, fine. That does sound good. <laughs> Kate, to be fair, I'm not sure you have the dictator personality. So, <laughs> <laughs> Again, maybe in my head. <laughs> maybe, maybe. What is it that this leadership role as president of a Toastmasters club on the Central Coast, how has that taught you more about leadership role? And even relating that back to maybe in, in your own role as a team leader. How has this helped that journey for you? I guess it's just more knowledge, really. It's the idea that there's always more to learn. There's always people around you who you can learn from, but also remembering the new people need to have everything spelled out and we need to go right back to basics. So it's it's trying to find that balance whenever you're sort of leading anyone. It's working on opinions and the like and I guess being president in particular the decisions come down to you ultimately you do the consultative stuff what does everyone think but then everyone waits for you to go yay nay maybe no do this whereas depending where you are at work you don't make too many decisions really you're always going up the ladder to to ask someone else is this okay so I guess just striking that balance between when I think everyone's had their input, but then, well, this is what I think. Do I do that whole, oh, is everyone okay with this? Or is it just, well, this is what I think. Let's do it. Especially those times where there's maybe no wrong answer. It's just, which way are we going to go? And working on myself to go, okay, let's do this. And hoping that there's no backlash. (laughs) Have you thought about in this role, there's various tasks, but there's also various things you're doing about bringing a team together. Have you thought about what you think is your number one priority in this role as president and working with groups of people or leading a group of people? I guess at this stage, it does sort of come back to, I'm I'm sort of going back to basics, setting things up so everyone can understand exactly where we are, what to do, what's expected of you. We're all running off the same, same ideas. And I must admit, I've, I've thought about if, if I was to be president again, I'm not 100% sure at this stage what would be my purpose as such, my, my personal purpose, because if I can get all this sort of introductory stuff, policy processes, that kind of stuff done, then I will feel fulfilled in this particular role. And so I'd, I'd sort of need to think up another idea, passion, something to do with the group of why I would want to be president again. So, yeah, I guess I'm trying to get the foundations right at the moment so that anyone can step in again at any time and and know exactly what's going on. I sort of felt there was a lot of, I guess, not enough resources, references. There's a lot of, you know, again, a community club. Everyone's got a little bit of information on their computer. You've got a little bit here. Someone else has here. Oh, I think I have something about that. And so I'm trying to consolidate all that information so it's accessible to everyone who needs it at any time. Because me knowing myself as well, when you don't know what you don't know, you don't know what to ask. So I'm more likely to go and look for stuff or try and find something before I work up the courage to ask the dumb question and and feel like I've just, you know, there's no stupid questions. I know that. But in my head, there's plenty of stupid questions. So I'm trying to help organise that sort of side of things so that no one feels lost. They can find the information they want and then work up courage for other speaking instead of maybe the dumb questions. What are you really loving most about the role so far? I, I'm liking the challenge for myself. I was enjoying Toastmasters just as a member, 
making myself speak every week. Sometimes it's scripted, sometimes it's impromptu and trying to do a bit of both. As I said, eventually I'm going to try and work on no notes, but we'll see how we go, maybe after my president's role is finished. But even just the challenge of being president, I've stretched myself. There's other meetings to go to, not many, thankfully, and being on Zoom, it's been super easy to go to them, but there's other meetings. There's some online training that you can attend. I've even pushed myself to attend other local Toastmasters clubs to just see how they go and things like that. And so just that challenge of giving it my all. Again, it's that I want to be good at my job. So hence, I don't think I'm doing anything different. This is just what I feel I should be doing to be the best president I can be. And I guess even with that challenge and referring back to one of your questions about what have you seen in yourself sort of thing, I one of the clubs I visited, I did an impromptu speech and I got evaluated and I got an absolutely scathing review evaluation. Now, as a future member, I promise not all evaluations are scathing and I also hope that none of them are. They're normally very good and positive. And as current Toastmasters members, I implore you not to give scathing reviews. But if I had gotten a review like that when I first started Toastmasters, I would never have returned. Absolutely not. I know that. And even just the fact that I was president doesn't mean I know what I'm doing at all, especially when it comes to just the regular side of public speaking. And so I was hurt by it, but not crushed. And so I know that's a good thing. And to be fair, some of the criticism I understood, some I didn't, but some I understood, but it was still very scathing. And again, that challenge, I actually, while not in person, but I gave feedback a couple of days later when I'd come down a little bit, just to, to say that I didn't think that was right especially as a guest speaker and that kind of thing. So this is all stuff I'm not sure I would have done two years ago, but it's all stuff I've learnt as being part of Toastmasters and just that incremental confidence to do this. And being president made me feel like I had to step up that little bit and speak up for new people and possible new guests, possible new members to try and make the uh, pave the way, make it easier for them to join Toastmasters and and hopefully gain some more confidence themselves. Kate, you have so many great attributes as a leader and I think the two that really stand out for me is that level of humility and the vulnerability that comes with having a level of humility like that. Where does that come from? The vulnerability is probably just it's sometimes easier to make fun of yourself. <laughs> the number of times I've managed to work my shaking into speeches and stuff like that, it's my story and I guess I just want to show people like I'm trying to challenge myself but I want to show people that it's not easy or and I don't even know if it's quite that but just it's hard but it's worth it you you keep trying maybe that's more what it is that I am no way a perfect speaker but I'm trying but I'm still nowhere near there yet but I keep getting such supportive feedback from the club that I keep having to go when it comes to humility, as I keep saying, I, I, I'm getting great feedback from being president and even at work, I, I get awesome feedback. I'm a, I know I'm a really good worker and I want to be, but I also just think I'm doing what I should be doing, trying to be the best I can and doing what I can to contribute. I don't feel I'm going above and beyond. 
I'm just being me who wants to be good and help where I can. In this journey of being the best that you can be, and you've shared a lot of that today, if you were to give somebody just a, a piece of advice that can help them, you know, whether it's Toastmasters or just any opportunity to become more self-confident in public speaking, you chose Toastmasters and you've been on this journey and you're continuing on this journey. What would that advice be to help people to keep bettering themselves? I guess I almost hate to say it, but you just have to try. You just have to give it a go. It's much easier said than done, but if you give it a shot and you're in the right supportive environment, you can't really fail, except maybe in your own head. Uh, but it gets, it does get better every time. I guess particularly with Toastmasters, there's so many groups all around the world. And I do implore if you do want to try Toastmasters, if you don't like your first group for whatever reason, not supportive, too formal, not formal enough, there's plenty more to try. I admit I'm not sure I would have taken my own advice initially, but I do hope people take my advice and and just give it a shot. And it's okay to find it hard and it's okay to not be perfect and it's okay to work at your speed. As I said, I'm, I'm still very much a speech reader. I'm not a speech giver yet but I know I need to work on that and I, and I will. I, I'm getting there. But even I'm still impressed with myself that I still get up to speak. That's always been that first challenge. And while I'm not sick to my stomach now, I still I, I get to the meeting and go, I've got this, I've got this. I stand up and go, oh, crap, I don't have this anymore. <laughs> so I do still struggle. But it's an amazing feeling afterwards when I sit back down and it does help. I just sort of think in all aspects of life, you know, even just talking to strangers, it's a little bit easier when you've been practicing speaking. And I don't expect every shy, introverted, scared public speaker to take my advice, but I hope they do because it will make a difference. Kate, we're on the home stretch. You can start to relax just a little bit. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Tell us how we can get hold of you if people wanted to make contact. I think the best way is probably just through the Brisbane Water Breakfast Toastmasters Club. We've got a website, LinkedIn page, Facebook page. So if you want to make contact through there and I'll receive any messages. And by all means, we uh, our club in particular meets on a Saturday morning, 8.30 to 10.30 on the second Saturday of the month and the last Saturday of the month. So if you want to start your weekend off with some public speaking, <laughs> come along. <laughs> What would people rather do? I know. It's it's great. You get up early on a Saturday, go face your fears, and then sleep for the rest of the day because you're exhausted. <laughs> it, it, it makes the rest of the day a lot easier, doesn't yes. it? Yes, it does. Absolutely. <laughs> Kate, look, again, it's I say a little piece at the end about all my guests, but I've been super excited to have you because, again, I've been really fortunate to see basically all of your journey. You know, I joined the club a little bit before yourself, so yourself came in. You know, I had my own issues when I started as well, and but you know, the growth that you've had and I certainly haven't taken on the role as president. What you've done from day one to being this scared person in the car park at Erin Affair and now you're leading Brisbane Water Breakfast Club. 
it's an absolute credit to yourself. I think it's also a credit to the club and the support of nature of the club. But also know that our members are so happy with your style of leadership and what you're doing for the club to put in some of that structure and to hopefully make it better for the people moving forward. And that's really a sign of a great leader as well, someone that's putting some steps in place to leave a bit of a legacy and leave the place better than what they found it. So I love your vulnerability. I love your humility. I love how you bring all of those things into your speeches and embrace that nervousness and the shaking of paper and all that sort of stuff. I know you are going to be a fantastic leader in the future and whatever you decide to do, you're already a fantastic leader at your workplace, but also in Toastmasters. Well done. Keep doing what you're doing. Keep pushing yourself. Keep challenging yourself. And above all, thanks for having the courage for being a guest on the Culture Things podcast. Thank you. As I said, I think I've almost calmed down, almost, but I might have to hold my glass of water with two hands after we finish. But I, I must say, it is a credit to our club as well as, as to why I'm here and, and, and being president and stuff. So I, I must thank the club, Brisbane Water Breakfast, Toastmasters Club, um, for all their support so far. I'm honoured that Kate felt safe enough to come on the podcast and share her story. This interview was another massive step for Kate and I'm so happy that she took it. I was super excited to bring her journey to the public forum. I find her journey inspirational and I hope you did too. Kate, by her own admission, is nobody special. She is just a normal person living a normal life, but she has the courage to do extraordinary things. I wrote these takeaways a number of days ago and for some reason, I hadn't recorded them until now. It was like the world was telling me to hold off and not record them yet. That something was the story of Kate recently winning the evaluation contest at her club meeting. Her ability to challenge herself is really paying off. Congratulations and well done, Kate. These were my three key takeaways from my conversation with Kate. My first key takeaway, leaders lead with vulnerability. The level of trust a leader builds with their team is a direct reflection of the level of vulnerability a leader shows. They know their strengths and are not afraid of sharing their weaknesses. They know they will make mistakes and openly share when they do. For them, these are opportunities to grow. Being vulnerable is a foundation of true leadership. My second key takeaway, leaders are always improving themselves. They consistently challenge themselves to be better. From the moment Kate made her first move attending a Toastmasters meeting to the time she took on the role as president of her club, she has continually challenged herself. In episode 35, we spoke with Julie Watson about being stronger than your excuses. Kate is definitely stronger than her excuses, and she continues to challenge herself to improve. My third key takeaway, leaders leave a lasting legacy. The true test of a great leader is how well the organization performs after they've gone. The foundations they create and the culture they have in place for the business to continue to thrive. Kate is doing just that with her focus on back to basics, which also included reviewing the club's purpose and values. The work she is leading is helping current members and laying the foundations for future members. This work will be her lasting legacy. So in summary, my three key takeaways were, leaders lead with vulnerability, leaders are always improving themselves, and leaders leave a lasting legacy. I wanna say a massive thank you to you, the listeners. So many have left a review, and a comment on Apple Podcasts. Thank you. This is truly humbling. One of the reviews received was from Andrew, and he said, 
Thoroughly enjoying the conversational points in these podcasts. As I was listening, I found myself deep in thought, reflecting on my experiences, working in and leading teams. Thanks, Andrew. Your kind words are appreciated and glad they are helping look back on your own experiences. Now to our competition. To win this week's $30 Jangler gift card of your choice, answer this question. What role has Kate taken on in her Toastmasters club? Send your answer to brendan at brendanrogers.com.au. Thank you for listening. Stay safe. Until next time. Thank you for listening to the Culture of Things podcast with Brendan Rogers. Please visit brendanrogers.com.au to access the show notes. If you love the Culture of Things podcast, please subscribe, rate, and give a review on Apple Podcasts. And remember, a healthy culture is your competitive advantage.